0: Look, I want to dive right into the message today. If you'll pull out your message notes, I want to make sure we get into uh, the message uh, today. And I, I f- Have you guys enjoyed this series, Moment Ready? It not not been good, just helping us to get into position for what God wants to do here at the church. If you're new, we're in a series entitled Moment Ready. Uh, it's something God's been birthing in my heart probably for the last six to eight months, probably nine months. Uh, it's this theme that has just been stirring me up. You've been hearing me talk about it, really, uh, over the last nine months. You just didn't really know about it. And then finally pulled it into a series and just a series of messages that would inspire us to live the life that God has called us to live. Now, if you're new here or if you're just joining us for this series, let me define what Moment Ready is. Moment Ready is all about seeing the most in every moment and making the most in every moment that we have. Now, the goal is for this not to just be a slogan. The goal is that this would be a way of life, that we would see the most in every moment and we would make the most in every moment. So it's really a two-part. God, give me an awareness of and then give me the discipline to act on. I mean, we need some discipline. I mean, we just need to do what the Lord speaks to us and in the awareness of a moment, really making sure that we capture that moment. And so we've been working the last three to four weeks to train ourselves to live in such a way that we are fully alive to the moment, that we're fully aware of what's going on. We recognize that it's easy to sleepwalk through life. It's easy to just coast and let the mundane lull us asleep But if we're going to live moment ready, we've got to be fully alive, fully awake to what God might speak to us, what he reveals to us, so that we can make the most of every moment that he brings to us in our life. We want to live fully alive, a life with no regret. How many want to live with no regrets? Like, I don't want to get to the end of my life and say, I wish I would have, I should have, I could have. The goal is that we live life to the fullest, Uh, and we find our theme verse in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 15. Uh, And 16, it says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. So there's a way to live that's foolish or unwise, and then there's a way to live that's wise. And so we want to live our lives with those that are wise. We want to do it, and this is what it says we should do. We should make the most of a couple of opportunities that God brings our way sometimes, occasionally. (laughs) No, no. I was just checking to see if you already fell asleep within the first four minutes. Some of you, you're like, you done glazed. It's like I came up, you, you're like the glaze. No, no, what's he say? He says, when? Every. Everybody say every. Every opportunity because the days are evil. So if he tells us to make the most of every opportunity, then that means it's possible to make the most of every opportunity. And so we're, we're working on this. We're developing the discipline. We're developing the, 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 the history in our life, the, the patterns, the habits of saying we live life this way. Now, today I want to talk about living moment ready with people. If you've missed the last three weeks, I would encourage you to go back and watch the podcast, go back and listen to the podcast. Probably, I believe, some of the most powerful messages I've ever shared about I feel like the way they've, in, they've impacted me, and hopefully I've in, articulated it in a way that it's impacted you as well. Now, when we talk about living moment-ready with people, I want to take some time this morning to answer this question. What if we were willing to do anything possible to reach the people that God has placed in our lives around us? So what if we were willing to do anything regardless of the cost, whatever is possible to reach the people in our lives that God has placed around us, think about that for just a moment. What would our community look like? What would your family look like? What would your workplace look like? If you were willing to do whatever it took, anything short of sin, to reach the people That God has strategically placed in your life. People that he has surrounded you with on purpose. Knowing that you could be the answer or the solution to what they're searching for. Not that you're God, but how many know you could point them to God? So, it's a question that we've got to ask ourselves. It's a question that forces us to examine every day of our life, that forces us to examine our decisions, our motives, our actions, that we would really, right now in this moment, examine Am I living moment ready? It's not a comfortable question. It's not something that we'll just casually go through this morning. Really, to us, there's this ownership of God, am I living that way? Am I living moment ready? And today I want to talk in some, the Bible, and the text, and I'm going to take a look at some guys that everyone, if you're familiar with Christianity, you know about. These are men that said yes to God, yes to the call that Jesus had in their life. And so they lived moment-ready. And here's the cool thing about these guys is their decision, their actions to live moment-ready have impacted each and every one of us. Whether you realize it or not, them saying yes... And then doing what God spoke to them has impacted us here today. And the men I want to talk about are the disciples. The disciples of Jesus Christ. Now, there's stories all throughout the New Testament. Now, if you are new to Christianity, the disciples were men that Jesus went about and he hand-selected. He picked them out. He gave them an option to follow him. And then when they said yes, he lived his life with them for three years. This was the original small group. You know, we're not a church with small groups. We're a church yes. Somebody said, That's Somebody say, that's kind of weird. What do you mean? That means we choose to live life in community. That it's not just about this big church gathering that happens on Sunday, and we love it. We're excited that people show up. But really, it's about how we live Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. It's about us living life together. It's the model that Jesus demonstrates and models for us. So he spends three years of his life. He pours into them and he teaches them and he talks to them about why he does what he does and how he does what he does. And then what's interesting is all of a sudden after the crucifixion, when Jesus dies, he's buried, but he rises again. He spends time on this earth encouraging them. But then what happens is Jesus ascends back into heaven. Now, when he ascended into heaven, he places the fate of Christianity in the hands of these disciples. I mean, that's a little scary. If I was Jesus, looking at the history of these men that fled when he fled when he was being crucified, that denied him, that didn't seem to have a grasp of kingdom concepts, and yet Jesus says, look, I'm going to ascend into heaven, but I trust them enough that I'm going to leave the fate of Christianity into their hands. How I many know that's some faith? I, I, I probably, I would be nervous if Jesus selected me. I'd be like, yo, 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 Jesus, are you sure? Like... Like, can you just help us out a little bit? Like, like, But no, that's not what he does. He chose them and then he empowered them. And what they do with what he gave them changes all of history. And the problem many times when we read the Bible is you look at these men and all the characters of the Bible and we tend to think that they are superheroes, you know, like, like the Marvel characters. They've got these capes and they can fly around and they've got these superpowers and And though you may not see it manifested like that, somehow inside of us what we say is I could never relate to them. Clearly they had more discipline than me. Clearly they had more insight than me. Clearly they were smarter than me. And so we look at these men and we say, there's no way that I could be like them. These guys, they had extraordinary gifts. They had extraordinary talents. They must have been men who could articulate in a way that I could never even imagine articulating. But the truth is, the Bible says the opposite. Look at what it says in Acts chapter 4, verse 13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished. So here you have the religious. They're looking at these men and they're saying, look, I don't understand these men. They've got courage, but they're not that smart. They're ordinary. And the thing that established them as extraordinary was not their skill sets, was not their abilities, was not their talents. It was the fact that these men had been with Jesus. That's the only thing that distinguished them. Now, now let me ask you this. How many say you can spend time with Jesus? They say, well, how do I do that? Well, you pray, read your Bible, spend time in worship. The more we do that, that's what he's talking about here, that these men were not extraordinary. They didn't have extra gifts or talent. They were ordinary, unschooled. And one translation actually says idiotas, that they were idiotas. They, they were idiots. Now, how many now think, I can relate to that one? Come on, somebody. <laughs> you know, the unschooled and ordinary, I couldn't even relate. I feel like an idiot. That's what the, the scholars and the, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the educated, they said, these men are idiots. The only thing that establishes them is the relationship with God. They're unqualified men. And yet, God qualifies the unqualified And it has nothing to do with your skills, has nothing to do with your talents, nothing to do with your smarts. It has everything to do with how much time we spend with Jesus. Now, it makes me feel a lot better. I realize, look, I've got no excuse in my life. If 12 idiots or 11, they added Matthias, so you got 12 with him, 12 idiots could turn the world upside down, unschooled and ordinary. Some of you think, look, I don't have an education. That's no excuse. I'm just average. Yeah, we're all just average. The reality is that when God comes in our lives, we now have the ability to be above average, not because of us, but all because of him. The above average is unlocked inside of us through a relationship with God. And these unschooled ordinary men, they turn the world upside down. I'll take comfort in knowing God chooses imperfect people. God chooses imperfect people. you got to understand and establish that in your heart. See, the God of perfection deliberately chooses the imperfect to do his perfect will. Why? Why would he do that? Because then he's the only one that gets the credit. He's the only one that gets the glory. He's, the only, he's never going to let you win in an area where you're smart enough to win. That's why you just have to say, God, I surrender. I choose to not do it my way. I'm going to do it your way. It's not about how smart I am, how talented I am. God, I surrender my intelligence. I surrender my talents. I surrender everything I have and I give it to you so that ultimately in my life, you are the one that's glorified. It's just God's way. And it's an amazing thing because if you're sitting out there and you feel unqualified, you're in good company, you're in the right place. But we cannot allow that to be an excuse for us. And I love how Paul clearly explains this. Look in First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27. It says, but God chooses the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chooses the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chooses the lowly things of the world and the despised things. So what's the, the pattern? He picks things that nobody else would pick. And the things that are not, to nullify the things that are, so that, so he's going to tell us why he does that, so that no one can boast before him. It's not like you were good enough. It's not like you were smart enough. Not like you had all that you needed to do it. No, no. The only one that gets the credit is God. God uses imperfect people and he gets all the credit. How many know that's some good news for us today? Some good news. So you may be sitting there. if you're gonna clap, you gotta give a real clap. Y'all can't be doing no, like, that is weak. Like, I don't mind if you sit there quiet, but don't give me a half clap. That's like, I'm, I'm a little, I don't know, maybe it's kind of good, not really good. Should we clap? Just clap, come on. I don't give you a half preach. I'm just saying, that just came in my, just saying. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't mean, I didn't, I'm sorry. You know maybe you feel a lack of self-esteem. Maybe you feel inadequate. Maybe you don't feel good enough. You're in the right place. You're just the person. This is this is what you got to hear because the enemy wants you to feel disqualified because you can hear this message and feel like yeah, but I'm not them. No, no. You're the right person. You're not disqualified. You're the one that God wants you to to go out into your world, to reach your world. The deal is we have to surrender our inadequacies to him. He knows where you fall short. He knows where you make mistakes. He already knows. So we just surrender it. We say, God, I'm going to give it all to you. And then God specializes using people that are not fit by the world's standards. It's an amazing thing. He uses champions in the Bible that most people wouldn't have picked. He chooses people that have areas in their life that are deficient, that maybe their self image is poor. Because you can read the Bible and look at all the miracles and all the great things. And I'm telling you, I do it too. As I read the Bible, I'm like, yeah, but that's Elisha, that's David. That's Joseph. How? how but, but look at just some of the characters here in the Bible. I want you to just hear what they had to say and the condition of their life. Job said, I abhor myself. Like, that's a terrible thing to say. Moses said, pick somebody else. I'm not good at speaking. Anybody ever felt that? Isaiah said, I'm a man of unclean lips. Anybody feel like, man, every time I open my mouth, something comes out. And you're right there with Isaiah. And usually what I find, the thing that brings you the most pain is also the area that God will use to bring the most, the the miracle in your life, to bring healing to people. It's a blessing and a curse. The enemy has just used it for so long and you've allowed yourself to be his tool. Now it's time for you to be God's tool. David cried out, look, my sin is ever before me. So he's saying, look, God, man, I sin all the time. Anybody ever feel like I sin all the time? Peter said, look, depart from me for I am a wicked man about wicked just so, so what's my point my point is you've got to see that you're normal the enemy would want you to think that you're not normal paul said the evil which i would not that i do so in other words the things i'm like i'm never going to do that i'm not going to do that he's like man i do it all the time you're in good company we all have flaws we all struggle we all are imperfect but god's perfect power and strength is made perfect in weakness so that when i'm weak he is strong When I feel deficient, he gives me what I need. It's all in our deficiencies and our weakness that God has made strong in our lives. And I believe the greatest untapped resource in this world for the kingdom of God is the masses of ordinary Christians who feel unqualified to serve God unqualified to go out and to be his hands and feet, we've got to make sure we're no longer sitting on the sidelines of life, but we choose to engage in God's story in this earth. And it all starts with an invitation. We've got to respond to the invitation that God has given to each and every one of us, that God is inviting us to be a part of his story. God doesn't force you to be a part of his story. He invites you. He gives an invitation. Look at the invitation he gives to the disciples. Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. So here's Jesus talking to the disciples. This is before they spent the time with him. This is before they go out and do anything great. They're out there doing their vocation. They're on their job. They're fishermen. And so Jesus speaks in a term that they would understand. That come and follow me. Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to make you a fisher of men. That when you go out into the world, you're going to catch men with the bait that I'm going to give you. And the greatest thing that we're going to get is not fish. It's not money. It's not stuff. But it's souls. That it's people's lives. Can you save them? No. But what we do is we dangle the bait that points them to God. And he tells them, look, I'm inviting you. There's an invitation. Come and follow me. The disciples could have chosen at any moment to say, Jesus, we're not going to follow you. We don't even know who you are. Are you sure you picked the right person? Now we're going to do what we are comfortable with. But instead, at the invitation of Jesus, they responded to his invitation and said, yes, let's do it. The answer they gave was yes. We're all in. I'm not sure you picked the right person. If you knew all of my flaws, you might have changed your mind. But at the invitation, I responded. My response is yes. And this is what you've got to know. The invitation to you today is the same. That Jesus is inviting you to follow him. So each and every one of us, if you're here in this place, hopefully you've responded to that. That's when salvation happens. We say yes, we surrender our whole life. But now the key is, I don't want to stay the same old person that I was before Jesus. I've got to allow him to work inside of my life. I'm going to follow in his footsteps. I'm going to be changed from glory to glory to glory. But the second part is, look, after you're following me, when you're running after God, when you're following after Jesus, now the next invitation is, look, go. I'm going to send you out. What am I going to ask you to do? I'm going to ask you to catch people, people, That you would go out. It's what we call the Great Commission. And if you've been around Christianity, you've probably heard it. It's in Mark chapter 16, verse 15. And if we're going to live moment ready, we have to embrace the Great Commission that God has, not just for the disciples, but for each and every one of us here today. Look at what it says. And then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. This commission was not just for the disciples, it's for all of us today. That everywhere we go, into all the world, whatever your world looks like, that we would preach the gospel. And I know in those words, sometimes you think preach. Well, I'm not a preacher. I don't have a microphone. Yes, actually you are. Your life is the microphone that the world is watching. That everything you do, they're watching your life. I heard a quote a long time ago that says, what you are screams so loud in my ears, I can't hear what you say. That what you are, the way you live, you're preaching the good news, the gospel, you're proclaiming the greatness, that every place you go, you would just tell them a little bit more about God, share what he has done in your life. And sometimes it's easy to defer this to the pastors. I think that's the fallacy of ministry today. It's like, well, I'm not an evangelist, Let's let brother evangelist so-and-so... And we know they're an evangelist because it says that on Facebook. <laughs> right? Not, I mean, I'm not saying they got fruit or not. I'm just saying, I mean, who... Like, like can I tell you something? You're all evangelists. Yeah. Like, like, don't let that gift cause you to feel like well that's brother so and so or that's the pastors and look we got great pastors here at the church they're doing everything they can everywhere we go we spread the gospel but the truth is that commission was not just for me wasn't just for the evangelist it's for each and every one of us go into your world and preach and proclaim the greatness of God through your words through your actions through your life that everywhere you go people would see there's a God in heaven it's not religion it's relationship (laughs) And the fallacy is that, well, that's them, maybe someone else, maybe it's not me. But the truth is, every one of you are in full-time ministry. Every one of you. Why? Because you've been born again. Ministry exudes from your life. You cannot separate who you are from what you do. And so everywhere you go, you say, well, I would pray for people, but we're at work. Listen, baby, pray for them. I may get fired. Oh, well, they may get healed. So at the end of the day, it's, it's what are we willing to tolerate? Do we, We've got to allow heaven to invade earth. And how do you think it's going to happen? Yes, there's going to come a day where Jesus is going to part the sky. He's going to return. The second coming of Jesus is going to happen. But the real way heaven invades earth is through you. Everywhere you go, you invade this earth with the touch of heaven in the way that you talk, in the way that you act. And you've got to realize that this is my part, that I have an assignment. Each and every one of you have got an assignment. You've got a part to play in God's story here in this earth. Now, When I was 19 years old, fresh out of high school, I was in college and I signed up for a theater class in college. Now, anybody like theater? A couple of people? How many hate theater? I have no idea why I signed up for theater because I'm not really a theater person. But I signed up for this class, and part of the class assignment was you had to actually put on a production and a play by the end of the year. And so I had one perspective of what theater would be, and then walking into it, I was like, oh, okay, so we got to put on a play. And we we start working together, and it's interesting. You do these casting calls where people audition for these roles, and it's amazing. You have main characters. Usually it's a guy and a girl, and they're the main characters characters in this whole play, then you have supporting characters. So that's just all these little interactions with people that help bring a support to the main characters and the plot and what's happening. But what I didn't realize, and just probably because I wasn't thinking about it, was you also have what they call stagehands. Now, stagehands, back then, I always thought, well, the main character, that's the most important person, right? They've got all the lines. They're the ones in the spotlight and supporting actors. They're okay, but you could probably do away with them. But stagehands are pretty important as well. And what I realized was if you didn't have people to move props, if you didn't have people to sh- change the stage, if you didn't have people to do the things behind the scenes, the play would actually never happen, There were sound engineers. There were lighting engineers. There were people that ran the spotlight. And who knew the spot would be just as important as the main character, right? It's just the spotlight. But how many know, if the spotlight is not on, you cannot see the main character. Pretty important. The spotlight is not following the main character. How many know, it's pretty distracting. It's going to keep us from enjoying the play. What I realized was a production and a play took everyone to do their part effectively and efficiently for it to happen well. I look at Christianity much the same way. God is writing a story. We are all actors in his story. Yes, we have free will, but he's asking us, will you play this part? Will you come in and do what I'm asking you to do? And the reality is every part is just as important. You say, yeah, but you're on the stage. This is just a part. You go to work. That's a part. Kids are in school. That's a part. And the only way the gospel is effective, the only way the kingdom of God advances effectively in Fort Bend County, in this nation, and around the world is when Christians come together and fulfill their role, their part in all that God is asking us to do. You have an assignment. You have an assignment. And you can think, well, I don't know if it's as important as everybody else's. It is absolutely critical that you do what God is asking you to do in your life. Look at the disciples. We see this in their lives. They each had an assignment. I thought it was interesting that Peter, I wanna wanna share with you where they went and preached the gospel, where they lived their life. Peter worked among the Jews. Thomas worked in Persia and India. Andrew worked in Greece and Asia Minor. Bartholomew worked in India. James the Elder preached and worked in Jerusalem and Judea. James the Lesser worked in Palestine. John worked among the churches in Asia Minor. Jude and Thaddeus worked or Thaddeus worked in Assyria and Persia. What's the point? They all had an assignment. Their assignment was to reach different people in different regions under different circumstances. And as they all fulfilled their assignment, the gospel of Christ spread. Every one of you have got your assignment. Where you live. Some of you live in Bondbrook. Some of you in Greatwood. Some of you in Telfair. Some of you in Town Center. Some of you in Highland Point. Whatever neighborhood you live in, in Rosenberg, in the surrounding communities, you've got an assignment in that geographical location. But not only do you have an assignment in the geographical location, you've got an assignment where you work. Some of you work at Floor. Some of you at Chevron and the corporate world. Some of you are teachers. Maybe you work at Williams Elementary where my kids go. I love you. You're amazing. You're doing a fantastic job. Some of you are at B.F. Terry High School. We love you. It's an amazing thing. This is your assignment here with the school. Some of you are moms and you're doing a homeschool co-op. Some of you work construction, you're on a construction site. The point is this, you've got a geographical location and then you've got an area that's a sphere of influence based on your vocation. But regardless, you've got to understand that's my mission field. This is where God has called me. This is where I'm supposed to go. And what you've got to know is this, I can't go where you go. Your parents cannot go where you go. Your kids will not go where you go. The only person going to that location, hitting all the people that you have surrounding you in your life, is you. So God will hold you accountable of, did you do your part in the play, in the story that I'm writing here on this earth? And the answer is... Your assignment—it's where God has called you. Look at Matthew chapter five, verse thirteen. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world—a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father who is in heaven. So living moment ready is looking for opportunities to be the salt and the light. That everywhere you go, you'd be fully alive to the potential and the possibility of what God wants to do in the world that you live in. That nobody else can do that but you. It's your assignment. It's what God has called you to do, to go out and to catch people. Are you saving them? We don't save them, but we can lead them to the one that does. Living moment ready is all about capturing that moment. So here's the question. What will your answer be? Will you live moment ready? It's interesting, isn't it? So you just you got to you say okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna live. Now I I want to talk about something. I'm gonna change subjects just a little. So you have an assignment, but how many know that our church has an assignment? So it's interesting because there's a part where you play outside of these four walls, and then there's a part where we play as the staff as the dream team, as the leaders of this church, shaping what God wants to do inside the four walls as well as what he does outside the four walls. And the the key to us as a church has always been for us to reach the lost. I remember when we first started this church, it was never about, hey, we want all the saved people that are mad at their pastors, disenfranchised. Hey, just come on over. We're just gonna stand this thing up. That was never never what we wanted. In fact, we always send them back. <laughs> so you got to go back. Why? Because if you leave wrong, there's something unsettled in your spirit. It just shifts you. you are. So you've just got to go back and make it right, and then if God is leading you, that's awesome. But we've been on a mission to reach the lost, to reach the unchurched, to reach the de church reach those that don't know who God is. And as a leadership team, this has been our passion. This is Phyllis and I and our family the Kyle's family that helped, helped me lead this and, and help guide this. You know, we have felt such an overwhelming God calling on this. It's shaped us as a church. It's caused us to say yes to some things, and it's caused us to say no to other things. And really, over the last nine months, it's been an interesting journey. You know, we're five years old next weekend. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> Five. That's amazing. But this year has really been a year for me personally of identity. God, who am I? I think it takes about four years for a pastor to really uncover their true identity. Because you know, you're coming out of a church. I was raised in church. You're coming out of it's like, God, who have you called me? Not the ministries I've been a part of, not the great things that I've seen or done. And and I think this last year in my life there was just this journey and discovery of who God has called me to be, I've, I've changed preaching styles, thank you for bearing with me if you've been with me from the beginning, you've been patient and kind, and part of that is just trying to say, okay, God, what is, like, like how do I feel the most comfortable, how do I, you know, and just who am I, and, and, and there just comes this point of, God, I know who I am, now out of knowing who I am, we're going to build what you've called us to build. It's interesting in a church that this year we've been doing the same thing. We really, about nine months ago, began to ask ourselves this question. Who have we become? Who have we become? So it's one thing when you start this in your living room with nine people, seven of which the adults are my family, <laughs> and you get up and you say, this is what we're going to become. We're going to be this. We're going to be this. We're going to be that. We're going to do this. We're gonna, this is what God's called us to do. But now it's a little bit different. It's not like who we're going to be. It's who are we. Who have we already become? What are the attributes of our character? What is it that we're actually doing? Not just saying what we want to do, but what is it that we're actually doing? And you stop dreaming about what you're going to become and realize this is who we are. Now, a lot of it was intentional. I was pretty intentional with the phrases that we said. I'm a pretty intentional leader. Few things happened by accident, but there were some things that happened by accident that shaped us. So some of it was intentional, some of it was unintentional, but I'd have to say all of it was good. And it caused us to really observe who we have become and our strengths, and some of the things that happened to us forced us to operate a little bit differently, forced us and me to evaluate my motives and force me to evaluate what I was doing, if what I was doing was really what God called me to do. And we really feel like we whittled down some strengths of our church, just some things that our church not wants to be, but who we are today. And I wanted to just share them with you and take you on a journey of where I have been going the last nine months. Some of our strengths, and maybe this will resonate with you, we're more obsessed with potential than we are Perfection. How many have seen that here in this church? It's, it's not really about being perfect. It's about we're perfect in our season, that we're all about potential, what God wants to do in your life. There's a genuine drive to impact our city and leave it better than before. I mean, you can say it, but how many know really the proof is in the pudding? Like, are you really doing it? And how many know through our gen, dream center and the generosity of our church, we're doing it? We'd rather our church be defined by what happens during the week than just what happens in the weekend services. I think that's real important. You know, I don't want to be a weekend church. I want to be a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I want every day of the week. They're like, man, you guys are everywhere. Yeah, that's because God called us to be everywhere. Good. Here's something else we identified as a strength that if we wait until, it's with, until we have perfect clarity, it'll be too late. So sometimes perfection can paralyze. And so, you know, this really stems from me. I'm just like, hey, let's probably just move forward and figure it out later. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes they have to slow me down, but it's the fact of the urgency in the moment, not the perfection of the plan. Because I've always seen plans are a great starting point, but you never end the way you planned anyway. Like God just said, go. He didn't say I'd lay it all out for you. So, So this marks us as a church. Here's another strength that we have, a burden for people's lives and a conviction to choose resilience over retreating. We're not going to go backwards. We're going to go forward. We fail forward. We're not going to retreat when it gets hard, when things are tough, when life is hard, when we're going through attacks, when things don't seem like they're going well for us. We move and advance forward every day. Here's another strength we have, our willingness to meet people's needs. It's the highest form of the gospel we could ever preach. We believe, yeah, you, you can clap at that. Yeah. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And the best way care is, is experiences through demonstration. And so these are some strengths that we really identified as a church. This is part of our assignment as a church. If you're new here, it's a great day because you get to hear who we are. Hopefully you're experiencing these. Here's some positioning that we feel like God has called us to position ourselves with that we embrace the grit, the rawness, and the imperfection that exists. We embrace it. We don't run from it. We're just a little gritty, just a little gritty. That probably comes from me and Pastor Phyllis. We just get our hands dirty. We're just gritty. I never had a job I was too good for. I think that's a challenge with the generation coming up. Like, I'll work there when they pay me $27 an hour. No, baby, I'll work there when they're paying me minimum wage because that's character, And I promise you, I may start at minimum wage, but there will be a day when I own that place. Because where I start is not where I finish. Some of you need to get that inside of you. We think big, but start with what's in front of us. We think big. We dream big. If, If I told you all the dreams that we have as a church, it'd probably blow your mind. I'm talking millions and millions and millions of dollars. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people reaching sea of, a sea of souls. It's just, but we understand this, the power of starting with what's right in front of us. Another thing we believe in and position ourselves with is we challenge with comfort. So I try to make you laugh while I'm stepping on your toes. It's a skill that I'm still working on. <laughs> the point is this, I don't want you to be so hurt or challenge that you leave thinking there's no way I could ever do it. I want to challenge you to not stay where you're at. We're going to keep moving you forward, but I want you to be comfortable. Just keep, just keep coming, keep moving forward, right? You've been feeling that? Next thing is we keep a blue-collar tone while raising the standard, and then while raising the level of ownership. So we just realize, man, this, this, this community, this is who we are. I think it's just we're going to get after it, but we're gonna raise people's standard and their level. It's one of the reasons why we have the Leadership Academy. We just believe in developing people. Where you are is not where you have to stay. We wanna narrow the focus without diminishing the impact. So, what I mean by that is this we realize that we're not for everyone. And I realized that I think when I first came to this city and the community, I thought everyone will love us. Like, we're for everyone. And I just realized we're not. However, there are people out there that God has called us to reach. And what we cannot do is we cannot widen the net so much that we miss the fish we're supposed to catch. And so we got to narrow the focus. we got to say this is what we do. This is who we are. And part of that journey this year has really been to establish that and then to be able to articulate who God's called us to be. Why? Because as a church, we have an assignment, We have an assignment, and so we wanted to define our assignment as a church in a way that everyone could grab a hold of the vision, a way that everybody who's sitting here can say, I can be a part of that. I can can jump in. Maybe you attend on Sundays, but you've not joined the dream team. Let me tell you, you're fine. Keep coming back, and when the Lord speaks to you, jump on the dream team. Maybe you're here for the very first time. That's awesome. It's amazing. Just come back. We have something that you can grab a hold of, and so we have our vision. We defined it this year and really clarified it, and I want to share with you our assignment as a church. Our assignment is helping people find the upside in life, advance daily, and to live when we're ready, when we're ready. That's our vision. Just find the upside in life. How many think you can find the positive in life, just what God's doing, not what he's not, not what you missed, the miracle's not in what you don't have, it's in what you got, and then just advance daily, that's the whole key, right, we're just going to move forward, just fail, but fail forward, just, just take a step, don't, don't go backwards, just, and then of course, we're going to live moment ready as a church, how many think this is something you grab a hold of, and then as a church, we really clarified our promises As a church, these are things that you experience when you're here. We promise you'll experience it while you're here. And it's a promise we are making to people that are not quite yet here. Your friends, your family, the community. People that are outside of these four walls, but they're looking for more. And really the two things define us. Not by what we want to be, but by who we have become. And the first one is this. As a church, we promise to change the outlook. We're going to change the outlook. What's that mean? When you come through these doors... Every time we interact with you, every time you interact with others, we are going to change the way people view God, the way people view church, the way people view their own lives, this city, and the world. That every interaction connects them one step closer to God, and He changes their view. That's why it's important, even if you're not, you, you say, Well, you're kind of a high commitment church. I'm not on the dream team. Do I have a place? Absolutely. Why? Because changing the outlook is just showing up. That when you show up, God can change your view. When you show up, God can speak a word inside of you that shifts your life. That a new view creates a new direction, changing the outlook. We believe in this. The potential trumps perfection. We believe that this isn't church as usual. We're not just a normal church, just something you go to on a Sunday. This is a lifestyle. This is who we are, and this is who we will be. The future is bright. The second promise we have identified, and we say this is our promise for you in the church, as well as to those that have not yet been to the church, is we help others win. That's our mission in life. That by developing leaders in every generation and generously investing in opportunities to make better the lives of our people, this city, and the world, we help others win. That's the key, right? It doesn't do us any good just to change people's outlook or perspective. The key is that in every interaction, we're going to help you. How many want to win in your marriage? How many want to win in your family? How many want to win in your own personal spiritual growth? How many just want to win in work, in finances, in your health, in every area of your life? We believe to win in all of those areas is to put Jesus at the center of your life. And that when Jesus is at the center, he equips us and he calls us and he helps us to win. We help others win. Come on. We believe that actions matter more than attendance. We believe that grit is standard. We believe everyone is able. We believe spending this life is the best thing we can do because it invests in the lives of others. We are a show-up church. That means we show up when it's important. We show up in people's lives. We make other people's problems our problems. We don't just callously live this life. We are intentional about helping people. And we understand that we're not just going to stay here, but we're going to move our lives forward. And it's our desire as a church, listen, we want to be moment ready. We believe God's been preparing us for this moment really All five years, this year, it's been a journey. It's not really been an intentional journey. You kind of just stumbled into it. God was just quickening me, like define us, define the process, define who we become. Therefore, our people can run with the vision God has placed inside of our lives. Because every one of us has to play the part for the church to function the way God wants it to function. And as we position ourselves for the future, one of the things we felt was important was to have a name that was clear. So our name has served us well, the church, the church. Many of us love this name. I love the name. I love the church. But what we realized was that in our calling to reach the lost, in our calling to reach people that are far from God, they may not love the church like we love the church. And so we have decided as a team we're changing the name of our church So I want you to check this out. Check it out. When we started the church, it was one of those moments in life for us that we didn't have all the answers but we knew what we needed to do.
1: It was a bit scary. I'll never forget when you told me that we were going to be planting a church. But I will say that there was peace because I knew that this is what God had for us at that moment.
0: All we knew is that we just needed to say yes. We had to say yes to what God was doing. And God, i got to tell you, we were so glad that we did. Which started with a simple step of faith and yes to the moment that God was speaking to us. And really even a handful of people in our living room has really evolved over the last five years, and I love what we're seeing God do here in so many lives in this region.
1: As I look around each week, I see so many faces of people that have come in here one way, and over time, I've seen God do what only He can do and change their lives for the better. Whether that's been marriages we've seen restored, families brought closer to each other and brought closer to God, or just seeing people be willing to give church a try again and actually enjoying it that's, that's what I love seeing.
0: And I would say that for me, I love that we're doing this right in our own backyard. I didn't wanna just pastor anywhere. I really wanted to be where we live and to be able to come alongside the people here in our community and to be a resource for Rosenberg and the Fort Bend County. And that's why we're investing our resources in things like the Fort Bend Dream Center. We're equipping those who just need a little extra help in the difficult season of life. That's also why the Leadership Academy is so important to us, and why we really do care about building the right foundation in our future leaders and setting young people up in the region for success. And that's why we spend time weekly praying for Rosenberg and the surrounding communities.
1: Absolutely. And I know God has big things for this city and this region, and I'm believing that our church will continue to be an integral part of that plan.
0: About nine months ago, the team and I sat down and really started to ask ourselves some tough questions. The two questions that we asked were what defines us and are we doing everything we can to be ready for the moments that God has for our church and us moving forward? And after going through this journey of really understanding who we are, we have a greater confidence and clarity for what our purpose is as a church and what we need to do in order to be positioned for the future. It all starts with our purpose. Our purpose can be summed up in this simple statement. We are helping people find the upside in life, advance daily, and live moment ready. And then we accomplish this purpose by living out and protecting two core promises that have always defined us as a church. They define us today, and they will always be what we're built on. First, it's our promise to change the outlook by changing the way people view God and church and their life and what's possible for our city and around the world.
1: So many people are consumed with the negative in their life, the church and our culture. But I know that we can be a church that shows people that there is an upside to be found if we change perspectives, if we show people God's love, if we express hope and help them see God's opportunity for their life.
0: Yeah, we see a bright future for our city, for the lives of every individual that's a part of this community. And that's why we're committed to changing the outlook. And then it's our promise to help others win. We do this by developing leaders in every generation and generously investing in opportunities to make better the lives of people, our city, and the world. We've seen this to be so true throughout the years. But again, recently with Hurricane Harvey, when it hit Houston, this church was a support and a resource for the entire region. We saw thousands of people step up to help others win. And look, I know that was not just an event for us, that's who we are. And church, when we change the outlook, and we help others win, I'm convinced that we're positioned to help people find the upside in life, advance daily and live moment ready. Ready for the moment that we face personally and ready for any moment that we encounter as a church. This is who we are. As we celebrate five years as a church and we look back at all the things that God has done, I can't think of a better time for us to ask ourselves, are we positioned well for the future that God has for us as a church? One of the areas we started to look at was our name. We started to ask, is our name the right name for us to move forward into the future? Our name has served us well and I feel that God has used it for us to develop his church in this city. But it's also presented some clear barriers. There's some confusion when people say they go to the church. People ask, what church? (laughs) The church. And uh, so people have kind of gotten confused in that. And then some people have said, well, you mean you're the church and you're trying to be the only church? And the, the answer is no, of course not. We feel like we're just one of the great churches in this area. And I don't want our name to be a barrier for people. I believe it's time that we have a name that better says who we are, that tells the story of what we're here to do. And a name that really brings clarity, not confusion when people hear it mentioned. That's why we're so excited to announce today our new name. I love this name. I love what it stands for. And I'm so excited to announce that the church is now Anchor Bend.
1: What I love about this name is that Anchor Bend is the term for the knot that holds the rope to the anchor. As I think about our purpose, I know it starts with the ultimate anchor for our lives, Jesus, and when we're connected to Him and only then, I believe that we're also positioned to be an anchor and a support and a resource for our city and all of Fort Bend County.
0: This name represents so much, it captures our purpose, and I'm so excited to have this as our new name as we continue to commit ourselves to helping people find the upside in life, advance daily, and live moment ready. This is Anchor Bend. Come on. Uh, Well, good morning, Anchor Bend. (laughs) Uh, I know some of you are thinking, wow, come on, this is exciting. You know, I want you to know we have never been more excited moving forward. Uh, We have been working on this for the last nine months, and I want to just talk just briefly. I'm I'm aware of the time. We don't usually go this late, but I want to just let you know about a few things. Number one, this name change doesn't change who we are. It clearly communicates who we become. And so what do you mean, pastor? That means nothing's going to change. Like, I'm still your pastor. Like, the worship team, they're going to be here just like they were today, next week. And, I mean, if anything, we're just going to keep getting better. We're going to keep getting better and stronger and more efficient and effective and we're still doing small groups we're still nothing changes it's just the name and 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 what I realized was what I love so much the loss doesn't really love today in this culture and so what we didn't want to have was any barrier of a past experience of a wound or a hurt or pain or something that brings up a negative the conversation on the invite ought to just be hey come with me to anchor bend what's anchor bend it's my church all right I'll give it a try Come on, somebody. It's not, what church? The, what church? The, wait, what's the name? The church. I mean, I mean, we all had the conversation, right? So clarity, who we become. And it's an amazing time for each and every one. I'm telling you, it's going to be this season of as we even articulate it, the anchor bend is the knot that holds a rope and an anchor together. We're not the anchor, that's God. We're not the rope, that's them. But we are the thing that connects them to God. And we believe that. That holds them fast. That we're to live in community, and so we are excited about that. I do, I do realize some of you are like, oh, your, your heart, you're like, does that mean everything nothing else changes? Nothing else? Well, there's a few things. <laughs> and I, I do want to let you know what to expect, because I want to walk you through sometimes the expectation of what's going to happen, uh, just so that you know where we're stepping to. As of this moment, uh, they've already taken off your stickers on your car. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I figured if you had a sticker, you're all in anyway, you know. <laughs> if you didn't have a sticker, you're like, well, they mess with my car. They might have even cleaned your car, so at least one spot. <laughs> uh, and and so what we're doing is we're, we're, we're shifting everything immediately after this service. Our website is now anchorben.com. Now, you can go to ilovethechurch.tv, and it'll move you there, uh, forward it, but it's anchorben.com. Our emails will go to Jim at Anchor ben, but all that That's just down the road. Right now, if you want to get in touch with us, get in touch with us the same old way. Uh, Next week at our five-year anniversary, the reason we did this today was because next week when you come up, though we're the same church, it's going to be brand new. Everything is going to be brand new. Everything. Every sign is going to be brand new. Every flag is going to be brand new. We have a brand new cafe that's going to be out in the breezeway. We've got all kinds, it's all brand new. we got brand new stickers for you. So in fact, they're going to pass them out tonight or today. They'll pass them out if you want them. So all of that is going to be brand new. After service, our social media handle is going to switch to Anchor Ben TX. So it's not gonna be I love, or it's going to be The Church TX, it'll be Anchor Ben TX. So you'll start to see social media. We've got a couple of videos that we produce. This one is a six-minute video. I'm going to post it on Facebook. And then I've got a 60-second video for Instagram and other social media outlets that only do 60 seconds. What I'm asking you to do is share it. Everybody, share it. Let the world know what's happened. Let, let them know that the name is changing. Same church, but we're changing who we are. Uh, have been called for the clarity of the people God's going to bring. Road signs are going to change, so you'll be looking. So you'll be looking for the church road signs. Going to say Anchor Bend. You say, Oh yeah, I'm going to the right place. I'm going to the right place. <clears throat> text to give your giving remains. Uh, we're going to switch it. You can write your checks to Anchor Bend. When you text to give after today, it's the same number. It'll just say thanks for giving to Anchor Bend. Now eventually we'll phase out the the church. We'll have all brand new giving envelopes, but just give the way you normally give. And uh, if, if we see you write a check to the church, we can still deposit it. Uh, we're not changing any of that right overnight, but we will eventually phase that out. Um, I'm asking you this. If you got an old church shirt, we used to give out shirts like water, candy. Uh, I, I bet you there's got to be ten or 20,000 church shirts floating around. Why don't you bring them to the church next Sunday and uh, what we're going to do is we're going to give them out to some missions organization so that those shirts can go and bless people that are in need. And so we're just, we're going to just transition. It's going to be, the, the community will say, the church, the church, who's, who's Anchor Bend? And uh, they're going to come out next, next weekend and it'll be like, we're, it's a five-year anniversary with a brand new church. Um, and so just, if you've got a shirt, if you'd like to deposit it here and let us get it off into the hands of people that... Could use your shirt. We'd love to do that. You can also drop it off at the giving center. We'll have brand new shirts. Uh, it's going to be amazing. But I do want you to know this, and I, I recognize I want to pray over us and bless everyone. Um, I do realize, you know, a lot of you already knew. It's, it's, we've already told our dream team. We already told our, our um, legacy team. And you know, we've been working on this for months. And so you've had time to process it. But I do want to be aware that there are some of you, you love the church, Can I tell you, I love the church. We all love it. It's a shift. We're going to look at this in three months. We're going to say, man, look at what God's done. It's going to be amazing. We're just going to keep moving forward. And you already look at some of the similarities. Like we have the Fort Bend Dream Center, Anchor Bend Church. I mean, just just, all of it just, you know, not only are we here for Rosenberg, we're here for the whole Fort Bend County. I mean, there's just so many things where it's like, okay, God, you brought us to this moment. And uh, I'm asking you to do this. Follow me. Yeah, let's... And, you know, if if you've got questions, come ask me. Uh, The only reason why we're doing this, and I want you to hear this, is because we came to reach the lost. And we don't want any barriers to keep people from walking through these doors. We want there to be a clear call. Come on, come to Anchor Bend. Awesome, I'm coming. I'll be there. Same church, new name. Father, I pray over every person in this place. God, I'm asking you to move in their lives and their hearts. God, I thank you for today. That, Lord, it's a great day of celebration. Number one, we accept your invitation to go into our world and to preach the gospel. Number two, as a church, we accept your invitation to clearly define who you've made us. And God, we move forward in both of these regards. God, everywhere we go this week... We're going to invite people to church. We're going to invite people to know you. We're going to talk to them about your goodness and your greatness. And God, as a church, we're never going to lose the focus that you called us to reach the lost. God, we ask that you would do whatever you want to do in the church. Do it here. God, we surrender this church to you. We surrender our hopes. We surrender our dreams. And Father, we thank you as we step forward with great expectation of what you're doing. We love you. We bless you in Jesus' name. Why don't you stand up? If our ministry team would go ahead and come on to the front. If you need prayer or ministry of any kind, we always want to allow you that opportunity. And I wonder if you're here this morning, maybe as you're standing, just bow your heads. Don't leave on me just yet. But I want to give this invitation Maybe you sat here today and you heard the vision and we talked about an assignment. The truth is you realize you've never surrendered your life to God. You've never given him everything. I want you to know that this is your moment. That God brought you to this place even today in this big reveal, in this moment of excitement of where God is taking us. He is about to do an amazing work in your life. And it all begins with answering yes to his invitation. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, I wonder if there's anybody here that this is your moment. And you say, God, I'm ready to surrender my life to you. I'm ready to give you everything and to put you in first place. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to do this. I'm going to pray with you. Before I do, I wonder if I could just see, if that's you here this morning, would you be bold enough? Just raise your hand and and act of surrender and say, that's me, Pastor, right here. That's me. Just raise it up, bold eyes closed. I see you. Man, it's awesome. Keep your head bowed and go ahead and put your hands down and look in this moment. This is what we're going to do. It's a simple prayer. It's not the prayer that saves you. It's the power of God working already in your heart. I'm just going to lead you in it. Let's pray this. Pray, Jesus, I need you. I surrender my life fully to you. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me of my past. I give you everything. Help me. Help me to live this life fully surrendered to you right now in Jesus name and everyone said amen. amen come on church amen. now look